Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So this is a little bit of a reversal of roles. Brad is looking down at his phone and Evan is here with a laptop <laughs> preparing for the episode. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I have to bring up the laptop. It really means I know nothing. <laughs> I think uh, the Evan laptop episode is genuinely, and this this sentence started as a joke, but I realize now how serious it is. It is genuinely the rarest occurrence on the Winged Wheel podcast. Like, I'm talking, we've had more NHLers on this show than we've had episodes where Evan has his laptop out. <laughs> I can only think of maybe one other one. I think it was a, a mock draft when we were in Brad's basement. It was Brad's basement, yeah. When we had that glass table, which I have no idea how that thing didn't shatter over the years. Still going strong. Is it actually? Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to replace it desperately, but I've got several other things I got to buy ahead of that. If anyone else, if anyone ever accuses us of being too emotional, know that we recorded this podcast, which was pretty much started with the Red Wings spiral downwards and lived through the entire worst parts of the rebuild on a glass tabletop. And that thing stayed in one piece. Yep. So I'm very proud of us. Um, okay. The reason Evan is uh, has his laptop out is because we are doing our Metro Division preview today, as well as discussing, as is uh, usual, anytime we have a um, kind of like a benchmark episode where we know what we're going to talk about, stuff happens in the Red Wings world. So uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I am a host, Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. I can sometimes see in your eyes, oh, this would be a good time to uh, think of something clever. And then you always just revert back to the... Yeah, uh, my bread and butter. <laughs> nice haircut, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. I needed it. My hair was like just out of control. How, did I tell you guys the story of what my barber said to me when I was there last time? You may have, but I forget. We was, uh, he was cutting my hair. His name's Tony. Love Tony. Been going on for years. And I was like, hey, Tony. I was like... Um, I'm hitting that. It's about that time where my hair is starting to like thin out. It's not like thick. And I didn't even finish the sentence. It's like, yeah, I noticed that uh, it's gotten a lot thinner lately. I was like, okay, Tony, just relax a little bit. Jeez. It's not that bad. It is, but <laughs> shut. That was almost as bad as the person in the chat on the live stream. I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I thought, yeah, that's, I always think of that. <laughs> I won't forget that. Uh, okay. So on today's podcast, we are going to be talking about the Red Wings preseason, uh, the story of which is Lucas Raymond, to nobody's surprise, but there are other pieces to discuss there. Uh, we are going to be discussing a little bit of uh, Robin Lehner's latest uh, tweet storm. I just said tweet storm. I think I'm officially a boomer. Um, we're going to get into an interview that we had uh, with, for, with Ryan Mead from uh, Blue Shirts Breakaway, which is actually really, really fun. I'm really excited for you all to hear that uh, and then get into our Metro Division preview. But before all that, I first want to talk to you about an organization that we are very, very proud to partner with, which is the Jamie Daniels Foundation. The more we, the more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative. And it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. All right. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings are playing preseason hockey, and I can honestly say this is the most excited I've ever been 
for exhibition games in my entire life as a Red Wings fan. And that has to be the biggest indicator that we are turning, starting to turn the corner in this rebuild. That's the biggest thing indicator about how bad the last five years have been. Both things are true. They, you know, one implies the other. Um, What was it? What were our standards? Just for the sake of it, reiterate what our standards were coming into this preseason for Lucas Raymond and making the team, so to speak. Our standards are... Uh, Jeff Blashill's wife's standards. <laughs> no, no, our standards. Have we talked about that on air yet? I don't think so. We it was funny. It's been it's been a great bit, but at our standards. Yeah. Um, the young guys do good, and the veterans don't look completely rusty. That was that was pretty much my standards anyway. Like I want to see Cider, Raymond, Berggren, Valeno hang at the NHL level. Look like they belong. Not necessarily dominate. Just look like they belong because they're all very, very young and they're not going to dominate at the NHL level now or for a while still, probably. So just, you know, hang. And then, you know, the Larkins of the world and the Lettys of the world and the uh, the rest of the crew, the Fabries look, look like they do when they're on. It took exactly one game of Lucas Raymond on a line with um, Dylan Larkin and Philip Zadina for me to for now at least, be staunchly in the he should be on this NHL roster opening night camp. And there are so many logical arguments against that, and there's so many logical arguments that would lead to, you know, not panicking, overreacting, or being so angry if he does get sent down to the AHL. But after watching him play in the preseason so far, especially that game against Columbus on Saturday night, I was like, sending him down there would just be putting him through the paces for the sake of it. This is an NHL caliber player right now on that line with Larkin and, and uh, Zadina. I mean, there's different factors at play here. Uh, Bertuzzi still hasn't seen the ice and won't see the ice on Monday either for Detroit uh, preseason hockey. Um, Verona's out for many months and you kind of just have to wait to see how things shake out in that top six, but Lucas Raymond looked good. Like, Yes, the power play looked better because Alex Tange has come in and done amazing things so far, relatively speaking, with that power play. But Lucas Raymond made a difference on that power play. Lucas Raymond created chances. Lucas Raymond was showing off his vastly improved shot, which wasn't a hindrance even when he was drafted. This kid is an NHL caliber player right now. Yes, but Ryan, is it obvious? (laughs) (laughs) I hated that statement so much. I can't even begin to describe it but yeah no it's i know what's gonna happen is the argument's gonna come well he's got to be good enough to take a veteran's spot and honestly i don't want lucas raymond on the red wings if he's not playing on a scoring line so i don't care if he outperforms a giovanni smith a michael rasmussen so on and so forth i don't care that doesn't matter he needs to outperform uh robbie fabry a puce suitor um someone who's gonna play in the top six um now in Raymond's case, Verona getting hurt. That might have had a natural solution. We'll see. Um, Adam Ernie's also had a great preseason, and he's an NHLer who can fill in in the top six now. So my gut still tells me that's what's going to happen. But the fact that all that factors into the decision historically with Detroit pisses me off because that's not how it should work. Because when Blasio said the statement of it's got to be so obvious that he's ready that my wife can see it, that takes all the nuance and context out of player evaluation. And I think Raymond talent wise is 
good enough to be in the NHL. I think he's been good enough to be in the NHL for a year. Um, it was more about refinements with his game. And uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Refining his weaknesses. Because Lucas Raymond's stick handling, skating, shooting. Since he's been drafted, that's never not been NHL level. The question is putting him in a position to succeed for the sake of Lucas Raymond. Because even if you can definitively say there are six forwards on the Red Wings better than Lucas Raymond right now. Spoiler, you can't. But even if you could, (laughs) you have to ask yourself the question, is it better for Lucas Raymond's development to be in the AHL or the NHL? And I'm not going to give an argument one way or another. This is just kind of food for thought. Is his skill level and talent level and style of play to the level that in the AHL, his teammates, his line mates might not be able to keep up with him or the quality of competition won't be enough to further along his pro- his progression. Does he need to be at the NHL level against better competition, but also playing with better players who can play off him like a Dylan Larkin, like that natural chemistry we saw there, stuff like that. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer here. But this should not be a decision that's just made on is Lucas Raymond better than X amount of players on the team? Yeah, I I agree with that. I think it's pretty nuanced. And I think to make it clear, that argument can go either direction. Like that argument could lend to, yeah, even though he's he is NHL level right now, sometime the AHL won't hurt. I actually didn't have a problem with Blasio's statement because I thought it was just Interview answers you ha- you have to remember are always going to be vast oversimplifications of of what the process is behind the scenes. Hockey players, hockey coaches aren't exactly um, they don't exactly have a way with words, and even when they do it, they don't have a lot of them. <laughs> to put it simply, um, the irony of me struggling to find words to articulate that isn't lost on me. Um, I think I think he was just kind of summarizing what you said almost. Where does he fall in the spectrum? I'm sure that he came into this preseason saying, yeah, I, I don't see it as a likely scenario based on everyone ahead of uh, Raymond uh, to make this team. But a lot of things has cha- have changed. Like We don't know where Bertuzzi is with his development. We also don't know the full story of why he's not playing, whether it's just an injury thing or whether this lends to that whole situation that we've been talking about. And there's a small rumor about that, by the way. Uh, I don't know how much airtime we want to give it. Um, we don't know how he was going to perform in the preseason. Like, is he going to light it up? I'll tell you right now, if we see performances like he had Saturday and even before that for the rest of the preseason, I will say very confidently the right move is to have him in the NHL. If he tapers off and he has some bad games or he has some games where he's a little bit quieter, I I will say, yeah, I have no problem at all sending him to the A with Johnson Bergeron and, and likely Valeno. Um, although, you know, Valeno might make it to the bottom six as a wing, which I would support. And that there's a difference there too, right? Think of the kind of player Valeno is and think of the kind of player Raymond is. I agree with you, Brad. Raymond shouldn't be on this team unless he has a top six role, plain and simple. I'm not even going to say top six role, just scoring line. He can play on the third line if, you know, the Red Wings construct their roster, how a good team constructs their roster, where it's top nine, bottom three, not top six, bottom six, where it's all grinders. Like if that third line is hypothetically... Structured how you want, Vladimir Mesnikov, Robbie Fabry, Lucas Raymond. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm on board with that. If yeah. it's going to be like Giovanni Smith and Michael Rasmussen with him, absolutely not. No, yeah, I'd rather have him in the AHL. So 
it, it context matters. I'm not going to say definitively top six, bottom six, kind of the old Thomas Vanek special. We're going to shelter him on the third line, lots of power play, and we're going to give him a couple players he can play with. Great. All for it. But um, Detroit doesn't construct their team like that historically, at least in recent memory. So it's also probably not going to be like a toggle on off thing. He's probably going to, if he does make the team, so to speak, and move past nine games this season, he'll probably be up and down all year. That's just how it goes with rookies. And I think that's perfectly fine. Um, no, it's not. He needs consistency. But no, we're also in the season. So let me, I, I should preface this by saying Lucas Raymond's development supersedes everything I'm about to say in terms of context. But given the alternatives, this is now the time the Red Wings do actually need to think about ELC implications because Raymond is young enough that the Red Wings could be in the playoffs while he's on his ELC. And that cap space might matter. So you'll want to slide it. So if he is not a Red Wing all year, he should play nine games or less. Now, if he is just goes down to plays his nine games, it's lukewarm, whatever. And they send him to Grand Rapids and he looks like a men amongst children down there. Okay, fine. Yeah. Forget the ELC. Bring him back up. It's about his development. But if it's a hairline call, yeah, you slide that ELC. You get you keep him on the cheap for as long as possible. But if he's in Detroit, then he's in Detroit. Like once he hits game 10, I don't want him to step foot in Grand Rapids. What is this guy with his measured takes? Yeah, I don't know. The roles have completely. We like sens- sensationalism around yeah, here. I'm I'm on five hours sleep right now. Nothing makes sense in my head. So if I'm getting proper <laughs> words out here, I'm doing better than expected. This physical freak sleeps under seven hours and becomes more reasonable to deal with <laughs> what's wrong with you i slept from midnight till 9 45 today you're you've made a lot of people angry listening the 401 to this when you fell asleep that's fun um it, i think a, a an important thing to remember tonally for this conversation too is coming into this preseason this is the good kind of problem that we would have talked about Raymond has been has been and hopefully will continue to be so good that he makes us a conversation. When was the last time a Red Wings prospect came into camp and we said he's so good you can't send him down? The best example I can think of was Valeno's first preseason where we were like, wow, that he's actually really impressive. We should still send him down, but he's really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um anyways, Raymond, fantastic game. I thought that line was clicking really well. He had a gorgeous cross seam pass uh to Larkin on the power play, which I like to, to some people, you'll say, Ryan, that happens all the time elsewhere around the league. And I yeah, would say elsewhere around the league. Exactly. The power play looks substantially better. Um, Dylan Larkin had a hell of a return. I think he took a, a few shifts to get warmed up, but it was nice to see him back on the ice. Gorgeous snapshot. I don't know if you saw the replay, but the way he reset that puck was <laughs> Mick right away was freaking out. He knew what Larkin did on that shot. Um, Tutayev, not like the most. Um, prominent player in the game but i thought looked really good with this playmaking nick letty man nick letty is going to make this blue line way better nick letty's gonna make this blue line an extra first round pick <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i hate rebuilds i was talking to nick and he said to me is letty cider the best defensive pairing we've had since litstrom retired yeah, it's it's been bleak that we're talking about two preseason games, and it's and my immediate reaction isn't to scoff at the notion. Yeah, god damn it. And there have been a series of games, and it's it's split. Um, it's sorry, it, it's split teams, and so 
won't recap all of them, but Bobby Ryan had an outstanding show. Calvin Pickard in a, in a previous game had a fantastic show. Um, I think it's really good to kind of see those performances, especially in light of Verona coming in, had a lingering shoulder issue 10 minutes into camp that he was late for because of visa issues, gets hurt, and is now out for four months. So um, it's nice to see the rest of the team just kind of stepping up and and letting you know that it's not going to be completely bleak this offseason. Or sorry, this season, not offseason. We're just getting out of the offseason. Um, the... The rest of that line, the Larkin-Zadina line, I thought they looked, they clicked really well together. I thought Larkin obviously was a major focus. Of course, Lucas Raymond was a major focus. I would like to see Zadina capitalize a bit more. I think we've seen a little bit from him so far that's similar to last season where... I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it. Grip your stick too tight, just not converting. Like he looked good. The puck was moving through him uh, on that line, just the same as Larkin and Raymond. But um, if you're playing with Larkin and Raymond, I think there's there's going to be a ton of opportunities for him to to capitalize. He's, he won't be with both of them in the season, most likely. But still, uh, you still need to see that step from Zadina. That could be a line. Do you think it's really going to happen? No. <laughs> Do you, but Brad Crisco, think it, it could? Yeah. Yeah, it, it allows the Guelph connection to stay together on the second line. We we talk about Raymond and we talk about you know whoever else, but you want to know who really are the two biggest factors in um, this team's draft pick: Nick Letty and Alex Tenge. <laughs> when you're starting from zero, less than zero, negative, you come in and if you just don't completely screw up. The power play is going to be wildly better, and that's what we've seen. We've seen movement on and off the puck. It's not just a simple cycle around the perimeter until you break in, which will never happen that way. Cross-seam passes. Nick Letty had a spinning pass at the blue line, which like you don't recommend all the time, but just to see like the power play is is alive and it's moving around and it's dynamic, and you know, they're pivoting up and down the sidewalls and the bumper moves, and it's just it's actual there's an actual strategy like they're doing things out there and it's working it's genuinely working even D- detroit's only goal today i believe came on the five on three and it came off of really good movement and pew suitor converted like it warms your heart and also think of how many one goal games the red wings have lost over the past couple of years the power play should if it continues this way alleviate quite a bit of that it's amazing how just getting away or getting to the simple things like moving on the power play <laughs> took four years to accomplish. Hey, uh, you guys on the Winged Wheel podcast, do you get super deep into strategy? No, we're literally just calling for um, skating. Yeah, we are calling for the absolute bare minimum here. And you would say, well, that sounds like a pretty terrible podcast. Well, we're still waiting on a lot of fronts. So, <laughs> uh, anyhow, I guess the gist of all that is probably too much talking about it, but Lucas Raymond is just that exciting. The preseason has given fans, for most games, uh, reason to be excited. Keep watching Lucas Raymond. I hope they give him opportunities uh, on that line more uh, more so. I hope they work Bergeron into the Raymond games as well. And uh, we'll see how the preseason wraps up. Robin Lehner. That's what we're going to talk about next. Tweet Storm. He, that sounds like a shitty Hollywood movie. You don't. Yeah, don't tempt fate they'll probably make it one day 
There's an Angry Birds movie. There could be a Tweet Storm movie. There's an Angry. Oh, there were actually two Angry Birds movies, weren't oh, there? Oh, two. Yeah, I two think so. really doubled down. Unless this I'm wrong, fall, Anne Hathaway's Twitter account comes to life. Terrible. Um, Robin Leonard has been, tweets about a lot of things. He, he kind of jumps around. Incredibly entertaining. Take a lot of the stuff with a grain of salt, but there's also a lot of value because the dude just has absolutely no filter. He'll say it himself. He's like, I've effed up 45 different ways in my life and I'm not going to uh, hide from that, but it also won't stop me from speaking the truth. That's a very poor paraphrase of what he said. Um, he has come out largely in defense of Jack Eichel and the situation with the Buffalo Sabres, uh, advocating for Eichel to be able to make the medical decision he wants. And it will seeped into an accusation that NHL teams are just openly handing out um, sleeping pills, benzos, Ambien, whatever, uh, without a prescription. And which is, you know, a very bad, bad, bad thing. Is anyone surprised by this? This I was going to say, this isn't even news. Like, this is not new information. Like, it's no. good for a prominent player like Leonard to call it out someone who has access behind the scenes but I very distinctly watching a documentary I want to say on TSN not that long ago with Ryan Kessler and Kyle Quincy and a bunch of other guys who were talking about all the drugs they had to take while they were playing I think Tordal was the big one there but still it's like this isn't news if you didn't know this was going on a congrats you filthy casual and b um Enjoy the, uh, what is it? Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Like, it's quite a, this has not been. And that doesn't make it right. No, it doesn't make it right. It's been an open secret in the NHL forever, but anybody, everybody knows it, uh, who cares to pay attention to it. And not that any fans should ever care to pay attention to it. But now that Robin Leonard has thrown it out in the mainstream. Yeah. The NHL is going to have to deal with this head on. And he also, I think the real, trigger point was when he called out the philadelphia flyers <laughs> and elaine Vigneault like explicitly i think that's where it starts to get a lot more fire behind it because if he just like made some generalized statement and didn't bring that organization or name up i don't think anyone really would have thought too much of it but when he started calling people out that's when things started to get a little bit more dicey and uh, more eyes are on it so i think that's sort of where it really started to take off this those Leonard tweets are like the absolute like dark matter inverse of the kind of NHL that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly want. Like they that is at, they don't even want players speaking publicly, let alone you know in the replies replying to people saying "love you," but you were shit uh, for the Leafs. You couldn't stop a shootout, or you couldn't stop anything in the shootout. And he responds, "LOL, I know." <laughs> it's like to for them to see for bill daly to get that message saying hey leonard's been ranting for nine hours and he just outwardly accused ellen Vigneault and the philadelphia flyers of handing out benzos to players publicly um bill daly i his head must have turned a shade of red that would have been suitable for one of the jerseys hanging above us right now like it's funny the league acts very quickly on this matter as opposed to some other matter. Yeah, curious, curious, curious. It must be Sunday. Nobody's got anything better to do. Well, when the news broke that the NHL reached out uh, for Leonard to do an interview, which is basically going to be sit down and shut up. Yep. Um, Akeem Aliou had a tweet. He's like, oh, good. They're reaching out to save face and they're going to talk to him and then basically ignore the issue for two years until 
the public loses attention in it. That's PR <laughs> gold standard right there, yeah, baby. Yeah. That is exactly what you do. Um, and this isn't to say like, yeah, everything Leonard is saying should be taken as absolute truth. No, the guy, the guy has been wrong about a lot and he shoots from the hip. So again, there needs to be a grain of salt here, but you know, just look at Brad and Evan's reactions when I when I write up this topic. This is the least surprising thing. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't understand. Like, once I saw that there were names attached to it, that's when I was like, oh, okay. Like, you Fair. can't like single people out because yeah. everybody's doing it. We did the quiet part out loud today. Yeah. So at first I was like, this is the least surprising thing that's ever been publicly announced and people are upset about it. But then I saw the name. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense that the league's a little bit more worried about it but yeah so we'll see where it progresses mostly i'm curious to see he i didn't think he would actually be a catalyst but let's see if this shakes something loose in the jack eichel situation you know elliot friedman's been talking about this before yes buffalo holds all the cards but this is a god-awful look for the league to have one of the best players on the planet not playing for a reason so silly as that not silly but like so a reason a reason so non-hockey related as this it's not to say Buffalo's right or Jack Eichel is right or either one of them is wrong, but they're going to say, figure something out and figure it out now because this is terrible, terrible for hockey. I don't think people understand just how bad this situation is because it's in the context of hockey. Imagine you're, imagine Jack Eichel was a construction worker and his boss saying, no, nah, you're not getting that surgery. You're getting the one we want. It's, it seems insane. I understand it's in the CBA. Don't get me wrong. I fully understand legally how this works, why it works this way, yada, yada, yada. But from a human standpoint, this guy does not get a choice in how to fix himself without voiding his contract. Therefore, essentially putting himself out of work, which, again, I think this is why it gets lost in the hockey context. Because, you know, if Jack Eichel loses his job, who cares? There's a million other teams that will throw money at him. If you're just an everyday Joe and you weren't allowed to get the medical procedure done you want, or your other option was be unemployed, it's life-changing. So it's it seems insane to me that this is how the CBA is written. I think it's, first of all, the NHLPA probably never imagined it would come to this, and they are going to learn for the next negotiation. Secondly... I think once you move into the realm of we are paying you $10 million and we don't have a proven history of this surgery working at the NHL level, if the Buffalo Sabres approved it and Jack Eichel did the surgery and came back and let's just say it ruined him, they're still on the hook for his contract. That is a lot of money. If they, if they were saying, hey, Jack Eichel, you literally can't get any surgery at all. You have to live with this pain, blah, blah, blah. Then I would be fully on your side, Brad. But the fact that there is a procedure, not without fault, like the procedure is safe and it's effective in the short term. But long term, A, it's likely going to have to be done again. And B, it's going to affect his long term quality of life quality matters life after the NHL. If that if, if that didn't exist, that that operation, I'd be on your side. But it does. Again, there's an there's an argument here because the the surgery that Eichel wants has been done successfully elsewhere. But I don't know if I'm the Sabers, do I want to be the one taking the ten million dollar risk? And it's not even that. It's if I'm a team trading with the Sabers, do I want to be taking a ten million dollar risk? And if I'm the Sabers, I'm saying 
well, if I'm going to lose Jack Eichel, I don't want to get rid of him for pittance. That is terrible asset management. Well, the thing with the disc replacement is if it goes wrong, it, it goes wrong. It's not like he's going to not be the same player. If it works, you're not going to notice a difference in him. And if it doesn't, it means he's still injured. Uh, no, there are medical outcomes that it's not just, yeah, it's not that black and white, but by and large, but point being, if the disc replacement doesn't work, the way to fix it is fusion. So why start with the end game? Try the new thing. If it doesn't work, you do the old thing. Like that's, again, I'm, I'm talking in broader context of any medical situation, but in terms of this one specifically, the, the way to fix a, a bad disc replacement is a fusion. So if you're going to end up in a fusion anyway, you might as well try the other one first. I am so hesitant to even begin to talk about medical accuracy. This here. is what I've read from other medical people. So to definitely take can the grain. Can salt. I give a sidebar to this conversation that's somewhat on topic? So oh, yeah. when I was flying home, I start, I was like, oh, I'll put on that. Uh, they had the McDavid um, Road to Recovery documentary, whatever. I started, I put that on, I got 15 minutes in and they started talking about like, oh, like this snapped off his knee and like all this. And they kept replaying the video. I thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I have no tolerance for blood or gross things like that at all. People don't realize how much injury there is in hockey that's gruesome. It's just hidden under pads. Like, yeah, this like little tendon, like basically like ripped off and like his knee was just like floating around and like broke his leg too. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh God. So I turned it off. I haven't watched it since. <laughs> It sounded horrible. Good for him that he's back, but that's all I needed to know. <laughs> Have you seen the video of the uh, NCAA player in March Madness? With nope. His- yep. No, nope, we're not talking about Oh, that. yeah. No. Nope. Yeah, I did. That was <laughs> gross. No. What was it Kevin Ware? Yeah. 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 That name will be seared into my brain forever. Okay. We are far too down a rabbit hole of discussing medical nuance and intricacies of operations, with not- which neither Brad or I have performed. Evan might be a secret surgeon, so I don't want to speak to that. Not after that plan. Ride that I just admitted to. <laughs> We're going to uh, jump over to our interview here. Uh, I had a conversation with Ryan Mead from the very, very popular uh, Blue Shirts Breakaway podcast to discuss a little bit about the Metro Division and the soap opera, the never-ending story that is the New York Rangers, one of the most interesting teams in hockey, but because things are so crazy right now, doesn't necessarily get enough attention. So uh, great conversation with Ryan Mead. Uh, he has a phenomenal first name, I must say. Enjoy that interview. The confluence of Ryan's. The by far the easiest podcast interview I have set up in my entire life. From start to finish, the planning process was six minutes, I yeah, think. And I was the limiting factor. I was ready to end. go, Ryan. Any, anytime a Ryan calls, I'm ready to roll. That's how this works. <laughs> we've been uh, we've been meaning to uh, have a little bit of a crossover with Blue Shirts Breakaway for some time now, and uh, I think this is the best way it could have possibly happened. Uh, Let me ask you a question, if you don't mind, Ryan. Yeah. Um, are you you guys are an independent podcast? We're an independent podcast. Yeah. I I believe I stalked you out. Um, about a couple months ago, we left the athletic as is okay. tradition, and uh, during that time, <laughs> I <laughs> we did the big join post. We don't do the leave one. Um, I uh, I looked out and I was like, boy, on the top fifty podcasts, there's everybody's with a big company except us, and the other only, only other podcast I found, I believe, was you guys. So congratulations, thank you, and same to you um, on your departure. Uh, you. You're right. You don't. You don't. And I have noticed that about you guys. 
uh, it's just not something. It's the quiet part that you don't really talk about too much. Super fun when you go to the the top NHL podcast and it's all either giant NHL media or former players. Then there's nothing else, and then there's uh, two dummies like us. Yes, <laughs> a couple of meatheads. No, it is fun because I I like to see, and I think that we've done the same thing. You look at the top, you see how high up you can get against those people. And again, I've noticed blue shirts break away. It's just like a nice little kindred thing. So it's nice to actually. It's nice make to meet another uh, independent media member. You know what it is. I really, truly, I believe this from the bottom of my heart. Um, it's us as Ryans that make the difference. I think that's it. I, and yeah. I, I always want to tell my co-host, Greg, dude, it's not you. It's because my <laughs> name is Ryan. Like, it's not, that's not what's happening. So, Folks, we are joined by, um, by Ryan Mead. And I'm sorry, Ryan, if I'm mispronouncing that. No, that's it. That's yeah, it. Ryan Mead of Blue Shirts Breakaway, independent podcast, uh, number one New York Rangers podcast around. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. You've been long requested. Finally. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are talking Metro Division, and the Metro Division is obviously not short for stories, but the New York Rangers have been at the top of the list for better or for worse over the past few seasons. Um, an incredible ride. Just, I have to say, as an outside observer, and wholly entertaining. You mean... I don't know how a team wins the Lafreniere lottery, grabs Capo Caco, and still has uncertainty because of personnel decisions that were made in this last offseason. So give us a little, of a, a little bit of a summary of what it's like in Rangers world right now. Yeah, so I'm going to give like a, the quickest summary of the last five years. They put out the letter, uh, Henrik, you know, the Henrik Lundqvist era semi-softly comes to an end for the New York Rangers where – uh, the, all their cup championship cup runs, they come close, they don't get it. They put out the letter, hey, we're rebuilding. They sell off their captain, Ryan McDonough, for a, I guess, lackluster package with the exception of a draft pick that becomes Niels Lundqvist, who we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Uh, they sell off all the other players they can, with the exception of Chris Kreider, who they extend for six years. They win the lottery only because of a pandemic and losing in the first round to the Carolina Hurricanes, who absolutely trumped them. They win the lottery with Capococco, uh, who has historically the worst rookie season of all time after I started a church for him, and people blame me for it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> then then they have a season where they have a very controversial player in Tony D'Angelo, who uh, does a lot of things on the internet and now plays for the Carolina Hurricanes. He uh, gets into an altercation with a player named uh, Alexander Georgiev. They go to fisticuffs. Tony ends up being the one getting cut off the team. Uh, there are a lot of rumors that people don't like Georgiev either, and he's been requested a trade. And then at the end of that season, there's this famous guy named James Dolan who owns the New York Rangers and the New York Knicks. Uh, you probably know him more for the Knicks side of things because he usually keeps his fingers off the Rangers. That was not the case this year. He goes ahead and fires uh, James Dolan. Uh, James Dolan. Uh, James D- uh, John Davidson. There's so many JDs. John Davidson and uh, Jeff Gordon in that situation. They're both let go. In a shocker surprise move, we called it the summer of anything can happen. Uh, and then actually nothing happened. Uh, they hired Chris Drury and then Chris Drury made and brought in a bunch of enforcer grit types, traded Pavel Buchnevich for what we could, we would, we would call a pile of doo doo. And, uh, but to clear cap space and has been very open about adding top six talent and has not done that. That brings us to where we are now with Gerard Gallant and an upcoming season in a Metro where the Rangers are poised to be competitive. And somehow, during that, I missed saying uh, they had the second youngest Norris winner of all time, and they have probably the second best left wing in the league, uh, and a 
star prospect goalie kind of deal and they can't really make the playoffs. So there's like, I could do this for hours. Yes. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, wow. Is that what content is going to be like when a team is good again? Just asking for a friend. Yeah, I'm assuming. Well, okay. So we did the not good teams content for a while. Uh, We talked a lot about Neil Pionk for a long time. Mm, Um, Yeah. So you have at least, you have what is fun. You have fun prospects to at least discuss right now. Now, I do feel bad that you haven't won some of these lotteries. Uh, not like you're missing out with the Lafreniere stuff right now. Gotta tell you, it's, <laughs> it's not like I, I have faith and I think he'll become that player, but the first year was lackluster on a lot of different levels. And the burden that comes with fan expectations as well is it's not on balance. It's not a curse, but I can see how that will be painful if, and when it comes for Detroit. When you score 220 points in two seasons as Lafreniere did in juniors, and then you get to the NHL and you look not only a step slow, but l- probably tremendous, not tremendously, but a good amount less dynamic than you were. You're supposed to be this incredible offensive playmaker, not a generational talent. He's not the Connor McDavid or even the Austin Matthews of uh, of a prospect, but he's sort of the step below that. And his playmaking skill was heralded as one of the best of the last 10 years. And it could have been David Quinn. It could have been, hey, he didn't really get a training camp. It was a COVID season. He was away from his parents. He was trapped in a hotel room every single day when he wasn't playing on the ice. And there's a lot of things you could say. And he kept a really great attitude the whole season. But it was only until the end of the season where he really started to show flashes of, hey, I I can show some talent, by the way. I'm pretty good at hockey. For a team to get rid of Pavel Buchnevich and then say that they want top six talent, to me, it's a funny progression. So how much of this statement is true? The Rangers being a serious competitor rests on the laurels of Kako, Lafreniere, Adam Fox, the later, the latter of the latter. Does that still work with three? Adam yeah. Fox having already proved it. Uh, I wouldn't say Adam Fox is a concern at all for Ranger fans or anybody who watches the Rangers. I think he's the he's one of the most sure players. This is how you know it's good. When you want to sign somebody for eight years and all eight year contracts are disasters. Uh, for the exact, with like very few exceptions, with I think uh, Ovechkin, I'm sure Kucherov will somehow live up to it, but very few exceptions where that's the case. I would sign Adam Fox for like eight million dollars, eight nine million dollars for eight years right now. I know he's young. He's uh, he's as as lock of a lock as he as you can come. The only way the Rangers take the step right now, with the exception of making a trade, and I'm sure we'll discuss those too. Would be if Lafreniere, Kako, Kraftstoff, and some of these other, and Philip Heedle, those are the big four, really, that need to take their developmental leaps. They're all below 22 years old. Philip Heedle is still 21, I believe. Kapokako is 21. Lafreniere is 20. Kraftstoff is 21. And if they all can take that leap, well then, the Rangers are an extremely dangerous team. Uh, especially on the wings. The center position has always been a real big struggle for the Rangers, Mika Zibinijad is a hot topic a lot of the time. He can either be uh, a world beater or he can kind of be lost in the in the game where he's a little bit lackluster. He's either scoring five goals or you can't really find him. That's kind of where he is. And uh, Ryan Strom has been a uh, a character. He's, they've been trying to trade him constantly for three years. It's not like a secret. I would, I'll be honest, and we could talk about this right now. There's been rumors of him going to Detroit. Uh, for for a while of kind of like a salary cap dump. Uh, 
with with uh, your 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 best man Stevie Y over there. So there's a lot to discuss there. I think um, both teams fan bases and probably both podcasts here uh, have been guilty of mocking trades with one another. I know a lot of Rangers fans are looking to uh, have discussed the name Dylan Larkin, which is nothing short of heresy when when you get into uh, hockey town. And Red Wings fans like to say, yeah, we'll take this good player, but a high cap hit more or less. I think Ryan Strom only he makes less than five, right? Yeah, it's, I half. think it's five point five, something like that. Five point two, something, something around there. I don't have it uh, uh, right in front of me, but this is his last year. He is a UFA after yeah. this year, and Dylan Larkin is a name. The, the Rangers have discussed a lot of different centers over the past uh, year. Um, Larkin is someone that come has not come up like I would say he's fifth or sixth on the list of of I think Ranger interests and. Uh, Rumors I've heard that have no substantial meaning to them whatsoever is that the deal has kind of always been Strom would go one way. And that's not saying that Strom is equal to Larkin in any way, shape, or form. But the prospects that Stevie Y would want back are prospects that the Rangers would say no to. Stevie yeah. Y doesn't really lose traits. Not really. He, he has before, but doesn't really do that. Um, so I'd be terrified to do anything with him. Yeah. Um. This feels so scattershot because there's so much here to to dig into, but I have to ask the question, Tom Wilson, <laughs> and what <laughs> you are just yeah. broke a little bit with Artemi Panarin. How much has that shaped the current DNA and our trajectory of the Rangers? And your take on whether that's good, bad, the emotional side of it, the objective side of it. I just want to know where you're at on it. I could do 40 minutes on this. Uh, Your wife the, will kill us. Yeah, she'll kill me. I'm going. He caught me right as I'm going to the Ren Fair, everybody. Um, happy Oktoberfest. So with Tom Wilson, I do think they'll never admit this ever, but he totally changed the entire trajectory of the New York Rangers. Do I think firing John Davidson and Jeff Gordon was necessarily a bad thing? No. I do not. It's not that I don't love John Davidson and Jeff Gordon. It's just that there were a lot of other organizations pining for Chris Drury at every single second. He was getting interview requests constantly. He's one of the most well-respected people in the league. And it's clear that James Dolan wanted him to run the entire show. He was looking for an excuse a lot of the time. Now, here's what I believe happened. I'm not reporting anything. This is my opinion. With some insi- not some insider sources, but just from the information I've gathered, the Tom Wilson incident happens. The Islanders beat the living hell out of the New York Rangers two times in a row, use grit and toughness, and then James Dolan releases the letter, the st- two, which is, hey, NHL uh, refereeing people, you guys are terrible at your job. I believe at that time, Davidson and Gorton did not know that that letter was going out. They were not happy that that letter went out. And then they tried to distance themselves from that letter when it came out. They called other people in the league and said, hey, we didn't say that letter. Like, totally, whatever. We're not part of that. Dolan found out and he was like, get out. Like, you guys are not part of my squad anymore. That's it. So to go right back to Tom Wilson, that happens because of Tom Wilson. Without him, none of that letter doesn't go out. Maybe they're still here. And you could say whatever you want that the Rangers Rangers are going to come out left, right, and sideways and say, None of this is because of Tom Wilson. We needed to get grittier and all that, et cetera, whatever. He directly influenced all this happening. 
not like they he changed the entire directory of what we do as an organization no matter what you say uh it's hard for me to even admit that because i hate that guy i am not a fan but he uh tremendously affected the way the rangers organization handles themselves and will will play moving forward because this the style of play is going to change they're not going to try they were trying to be a skill and speed slow development team John Davidson talked for a long time about, hey, this isn't about this year. It's about a 10-year plan. <laughs> well, guess what, Ryan? It's about this year now. And that's that the next four years. And it honestly, it makes <laughs> it makes sense because you have Lafreniere, you have Kako, you have these kids on ELCs, and you have Artemi Panera and Adam Fox. They're not getting cheaper and they're not getting younger. So uh it does make sense to kind of have these next four years, but the it has changed the uh the next four years are cup years, and they're not even a guarantee to make the playoffs this year. I'll say that. <sighs> this must be <laughs> so fun talking about that. I just I'm overwhelmed with how much of a blast that is. As if we came in with Tom Wilson after ten minutes of the other dense news. I'm gonna give the lead to you because in a little bit I'm gonna ask you about the Rangers' chances to make it, your actual projections for them, your rankings for the Metro, that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. Podcasty stuff. Yep. Um. You take the lead. What do you think is notable in terms of Ranger stories? It could be Henrik Lundqvist retirement. It could be Niels Lundqvist. It could yeah. be <laughs> bad contracts, good contracts. What's most interesting for outside fans to know about the Rangers this year? Yeah, there's a couple of storylines that you're going to want to follow for outside fans. Gerard Gallant has been a success everywhere he's gone. In Florida, in Vegas, he obviously took him to the Cup Finals the first year. He's a player's coach, and I have to be honest, even though he's been kicked out, legitimately kicked out of two organizations, I cannot find someone to say a bad thing about him. I've tried. Trust me. Uh, Players love him. And if he can seemingly put in the system that uh, is a lot simpler, uh, seemingly, than David Quinn, because I can't tell you what David Quinn's system was. It wasn't great. I defended him a lot, but I had no idea what the system was other than work hard. So following what Gallant Gallant does with the team is a big one. Lafreniere and Kako, can they take the steps? That's a big one. Igor Shashurkin, is he the elite goalie that we all think he could be? I think he could be a top three goalie in this league. He has the talent. He hasn't shown it since he got in a car crash. Uh, that's really, I, I would say those are the top three storylines heading into the season is the youth. If the youth can take a step and they all go into these kind of semi-elite players that we believe they can be, uh, the Rangers are going to be a very dangerous team for the next five years. I like the casual phrase since he's been in a car crash and that's hardly a story relative. It's it's not even a top 20. Yeah, it doesn't even register. Doesn't even come close. What do you think of the moves, you know, bringing in Barkley Goudreau? Obviously, he was a a big name. Six years for him. um, People were up and down on that contract. And I think there was a flurry of trades all at the same time. Obviously, that's around the time where Buchnevich was uh, moved for, for less than an ideal return. We talked about it on the pod as well. How do you feel about Drury's moves as GM so far? It you you cannot give him a grading system. And I will tell you why. Because we are 16 minutes and 31 seconds into this podcast. And we haven't mentioned the name Jack Eichel. Which feels so it feels so good. It feels so good to not have done that. I have to be honest, because I talk about that man way more than I ever want to. But if you think the New York Rangers are out or have ever been out on Jack Eichel and have traded Buchnevich away and his contract, of which they were not going to sign him for, for no reason, there has not been a New York Ranger team that going into the season with more than $8 million of free cap space since 2004. Uh, so there is something wow. amiss in this situation. 
They are not you you think this team that wants to compete for a cup just has eight million dollars of cap space chilling? Uh they're in on Jack Eichel and they have been for the whole time. They'll never admit this. Drury has been like, we're not really interested. He leaks to Larry Brooks, who's the main beat writer, or one of the main beat writers for the Rangers, constantly like, we don't really care. Uh they care a lot and they want him. And that they've always wanted him. And if Buffalo hates the Rangers, they hate us, especially because we put up a billboard in Buffalo. And saw uh, that, yes. Yep, thank you. They do not, they were they were not a fan. And there have been some ramifications for that. Anywho, so um, uh, so they don't really want to trade with the Rangers. They are gung-ho. The Pagulas do not want to make that happen. But the Rangers are the, still one of the only logical spots that the Jack Eichel trade can happen. They have the prospects. They won't get Kako. They won't get Lafreniere. And they won't get Fox. Duh. But they could get a Vitaly Kravstov. They could possibly get a Niels Lundqvist and some other great packages. I, I, I have, by good... Pretty good word. The offer for Buch, uh, for Eichel at the time was Buchnevich, uh, Strom, Zach Jones, and like a first round and a second round pick along with Georgiev. Like that was the package they had on the table. And is that Eichel worthy? No. But that's better than they're getting now. The problem is that the Buffalo Sabres have overplayed their hand. They probably should have taken the Anaheim deal, which was the third overall pick, another first overall pick, probably another first and a top prospect in that way. And unfortunately they didn't do that. So the Rangers are still in it uh, because I can't, I can't give them a complete grade or not. They're still in it for Jack Eichel. They're going to be in it till the deadline. They're keeping the door open. The Barkov thing has never been a real deal. So the Butch Devins trade, it's, it's an F it's pretty much like you gave away a top line center that all the analytics community loves for Sammy boy, who I'm sure the, the fans will love and a second, a second, rounder which is uh whatever and they're giving a third for ryan reeves is criminal and extending him is even more criminal but i have to be honest following him as a media member has been really awesome so far so i'm going to enjoy that uh so i can't really give jury a, a grade because uh i think it's pretty incomplete at this point okay this pains me to do but i know you actually have a real life to live here so let's get into the last last phase of this what is your projection for where the rangers finish in or out of the playoffs and if you're willing Mm-hmm. Just like a very rough, no one's going to hold hold you to this at the end of the season, rough metropolitan standings. Oh, I'm I totally, rattle up. Uh, this is totally fine. I'm ready to eat the crap. Uh, in this, <laughs> I, I have the Rangers finishing second in the Metro. <laughs> um, I am extremely bullish on the talent that they can have. And I'm actually, it's not just the talent that the Rangers have. I'm a little bit down on some Metro teams. And I think this is just me betting with father time rather than against father time. And that's a bet I usually like to make. I think the Islanders are poised to make a gigantic run this year. I kind of think they're going to win the Metro pretty handedly. People, That's how we know you're being objective. You're putting the Islanders. I, I am. And I, I really respect that organization and I hate it. They do like a lot of things right. And I think they have the best coach in the league in Barry Trotz. I don't like Lamorello as a GM, but you cannot argue with some of the results he's gotten. What do you want me it- to do? Pains you, but the results are there. What do you, you want? have to eat crow eventually. I'm eating it right now. So I, I think they're going to be first in the Metro. Then the second is going to be a fight between the Rangers and the Hurricanes. So I have them second and third. I think the Hurricanes could easily get second place here. Uh, and then I, I, I do see the, a mix of, you know, Washington, the Flyers, and the Capitals uh, falling here. Pittsburgh's going to be without Crosby and Malkin for a bit. Their team is rough outside of those two players uh the depth like isn't 
what it used to be. I'm not saying they don't have the talent, and I'm not saying they can't plug and play as the Pittsburgh way has always sort of been. Uh, but I, I, I have a hard time believing that they're going to get the point total they need. So I, if Washington falls off, which I believe they're one of the older teams in the league, I think most of their players are above 30 at this case. Uh, doesn't mean that they're going to be... I just don't think they'll be able to do the grind that these other te- younger teams can do. So uh, I have I have from bottom to top, Blue Jackets, Devils, I'll say Flyers, Washington, no, Flyers, Pittsburgh, Washington, Hurricanes, Rangers, Islanders. There you go. Okay. Well, um, Ryan, you made sure that this is not going to be the last time we have you on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's going to be a fun season for you. And thank you again for doing this uh, on such short notice. Uh, folks, you probably already follow Ryan or know of him. Uh, o Ryan Mead on Twitter oh, yeah. of Blue yeah, Shirts sure. Breakaway. Um, Take care. Can't wait to do this again. And Ryan, really, thanks really for having me, it. buddy. This was a an absolute pleasure. Sorry, it was short notice. I could go another forty, uh, but I have to go drink at a Ren Fairs, which I'm sure you understand. I absolutely do, and I encourage it. <laughs> right. Thanks, bud. Talk soon. How's your baseball, buddy? Cheers, bro. <laughs> Red Sox and Yankees both won. I hope you know I'm going to keep this in, and that's gonna. This is gonna be our return to the episode. Um, so one one of the top tweets said, um, the more you are involved in Toronto sports, the more you understand why in 2015 a guy dug a hole in the middle of a park just to be alone. <laughs> uh, we are um, we are forever making fun of Brad for his weird sports fandom that crosses into Toronto sports with the Blue Jays. So This helps today, though. As a, as, stop showing me the bills. Uh, I mean, 40 nothing. As a, 4 0 to nothing. You can't even count to 40. No, I know. That's what makes this even more impressive. As a Detroit sports fan, it makes me very happy to see your Toronto pain, Brad. I, although I will say, I, I was hoping for them to make it and watch them be eliminated. I yeah, think that's yeah, funnier. But you're saying you're, uh, your logic here is you're pro Yankees and Red Sox because that's who made it. The enemy of my enemy, et cetera, et cetera. They're all enemies. They all are, but some days <laughs> you have to pick certain ones. Anyways, welcome back. Uh, we just came back from an interview, obviously, with Ryan Mead from Blue Shirts Breakaway. It is insane hearing him contextualize everything that's gone on with the Rangers. I'm just thinking about us, like last year, talking about Matthias Brome, and for them, <laughs> like Georgiev requesting a trade is like minor news on balance with everything else that's happened with the Rangers. Uh, I don't know how those guys have slept on that show. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, great to have Ryan on. Looking forward to doing it again. And uh, I guess let's just segue into the Metro division here. So obviously not quite the same as the Atlantic in the East of the two Eastern divisions, but still really interesting. We have um, obviously the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, the Flyers, the Caps, the Hurricanes, uh, the Penguins, and the Blue Jackets. The New York Rangers are an interesting team. For the reasons we talked about just now with Ryan, like they, they have a lot there that could make them a dominating force. But I don't know. Last season, they were out. They were out because a lot of bounces didn't go their way. And they were one of the best teams I've seen to not make the playoffs under this structure in a while. But uh, they were still out. So where do we have them coming into this? And what do we make of that kind of who are going to be the power brokers in the Metro? There aren't power brokers in the Metro. That's kind of... The, the whole the, the, the whole division is a power broker. <laughs> you you have Columbus and then seven teams that could make the playoffs. Yeah, Columbus is going to be bad, and they know they're going to be in for some hurt. But 
That was by design. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then you can't say definitively any of the other teams there won't make the playoffs. That's that's the fun with the Metro, and I don't think you can say any team in that division is truly a powerhouse. The only team that I can comfortably say I think is going to make the playoffs in that division is the Islanders. Yeah, that was, that was what I was going to say. And now that I've doomed them to miss the playoffs for sure, it's wide open. So it's going to be the most intriguing division, division to watch this year just for how wide open it is. But in terms of trying to predict it, <laughs> I got nothing. I think the Islanders and the Canes are pretty solid bets. I, I don't see a, a world in which the Hurricanes miss the playoffs. Their goaltending goes to shit, and they remember they lost Dougie Hamilton? Yep, that would do it. <sighs> yeah, okay. Like The thing is, I don't know, for how active this division was, a lot of the teams that should be good in this division got worse this offseason. Pittsburgh's not better. The Capitals aren't better. No, and Pittsburgh's going to be without Crosby and yeah. Malkin for a short while. Yeah. Uh, Washington's not oh. better. The Rangers aren't better. The uh, Islanders, you could argue, are pretty much the same. Um, who else? Are the Flyers better? Probably with Ryan Ellis, but then they negated that by getting Rasmus Ristolainen. I think the Devils are the only team in this division you can say, yeah, they're better. They got a lot better. And even then, is it enough to be making the playoffs? Exactly. So this is going to be fascinating. Let's start with the Hurricanes. Um, Anderson and Ranta is, I think, a good enough solid goalie core where if goaltending was an issue, I would assume that one or both of them would have gotten hurt because you can probably bounce between the two and find a hot hand throughout the season. That's at least my take on it. Yeah, they're competent NHL goaltenders who happen to get injured a lot. You still have Slave and you still have Pesci, like Slave and Pesci, Shea, D'Angelo, Ethan Bear. I, I don't know. I don't love losing Dougie Hamilton. Obviously, he's one of the best defensemen in the league. And then you have like the powers, the, the power they have on forwards: Sveshnikov, Aho, Niederreiter, Trocek, Teravine, and Nechash, Kotkaniemi, Jordan Stahl, Fast. Like they, they in a team in a in a division where there are no power brokers. I can't see a, a situation where Carolina doesn't rise to the top or float near the top, I, I should say. Phrasing? Really? Yeah. That little sleep, that huh? Like a poop joke? Yeah. yeah. Poop thing? No one does phrasing for poop stuff, Brad. Don't be gross. Anyways. How much better do you think the New Jersey Devils have gotten? I guess let's get, let's go there because they picked up Dougie uh, Hamilton, obviously. Picked up Tomas Tatar, which we know is who's a, a world breaker. What do you see? And Jonathan Bernier. And Jonathan Bernier. And we know the way to get good is to pick up X uh, recent Red Wings. Yeah. Um, I, well, and they also should have He Sure back for a full year, and Jack Hughes should take another step in his progression this year. They also got Ryan Graves, too. Yeah, which was a nice little addition, and God knows which of their rookies will make the team this year between Holtz, Mercer, whoever. Uh, but we have to put it in context. They were one of the worst teams in the entire NHL last year. So even adding all those doesn't make them a cup contender. I, I think I think they put themselves in the place where they're still playing meaningful games in March. How meaningful? Who knows? Is it trying to hold on to a last playoff spot or is it trying to keep their playoff hopes alive? Um, Could be either, but I think playing meaningful games in March, which is a huge step forward from where they were last year. 
I think the problem when I think about New Jersey is who's going to score the goals on that team? Who jumps out to you as like a perennial goal scorer? Tatar. Okay, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good if that's your like that's the guy you're going to to provide goals. Tatar, if Holtz has a good season, right? Hughes, he that's sure. still unproven in a very tough. Yeah, Holt, uh, he sure definitely. Zakas, Zakas coming off a big year. So they need them to continue to move forward to have a chance. You're right. There's not a lot of certainty there. But with any team coming out of a rebuild, there's no certainty. I mean, I would say it's almost the same thing about the Islanders, but the Islanders are the Islanders. They'll always overproduce in terms of some of their parts. But the only difference is the Islanders play incredible defense, and the, the Devils were one of the worst in the league last year. And their goalie can't play any games in Canada right now, so thankfully for them, they picked up Bernie. I am really struggling to uh, to rank this division. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I think I have the Islanders winning it. I think I think a, a good sign that um, Ryan Mead is pretty objective. And I said this in the interview. He picked the Islanders to win it. And for <laughs> a guy who hosts a Rangers podcast to pick uh, the Islanders to win the division, you know he's serious about it. It's quite telling. Yeah, I'll just go- wait till our Atlantic preview where three of my four playoff teams I absolutely hate with a passion. <laughs> I have the Islanders winning it. I do believe in the Hurricanes. I think they'll float up there. So I think I, I was going to go first Islanders, second Hurricanes. Um, I'm going to go with the Rangers here because I think that's fun. Uh, and then I'll go. I'm struggling to not put the Devils in, but I'll, I'll go with the Caps at four. Devils at five. Um, the Flyers, who are a very confusing team and who could be the second best or the second worst team in this division, I have no idea. I'll stick them at six, and that'll be where I'll probably look stupid for this prediction. Penguins at seven, and then we... Yeah, you put the Penguins at seven, and, uh, the, and the Flyers are the one you're worried about. Well, don't get me wrong. I don't like the Penguins, and I, I've been predicting their downfall for a while now but it never happens that's boston for me i've predicted boston quite a few times to the point where i stopped uh and then the blue jackets at eight this is the least confident i've been with a prediction period 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 oh yeah there's (laughs) take eight darts throw them it's it's about as much logic as you're going to come up with at this point the flyers were a confusing machine this offseason you look at their fancy stats from last year and they basically they were very straightforward. They got sewered by goaltending. Do you think Carter Hart is as bad as he was last year? No, no. But I'll get it. They've got Martin Jones to back him up. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> probably not better. <laughs> I've never seen a goalie so consistently let in the first shot in a game in my life. You think he's doing it intentionally. <laughs> and then they got Ryan Ellis. So Rasmus Ristolainen. And they got Ryan Ellis. So. <laughs> I, I mean it when I say I, I'm not at all confident in this. But why don't we? Why don't one of you guys jump in with your projected rankings? Your top eight. Um, yeah, mine goes somewhere similar. Let's start at the bottom. Okay, Columbus is at the bottom. Yep. All right, now moving back to the top. Sorry, you're. I'm all doing right. a sandwich here. Okay. I'm building the bread. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <Fucking> chaotic. <laughs> How the brain's working on a Sunday Building evening. Building the bread. I got to digest that statement for a second. A lot of gluten. Um, <laughs> and then after that, I'll do... I think the Islanders are still the Islanders. I think that I've got them winning the division. But I do think Carolina is going to be close. Okay. They have like... They're like 
the poor man's Team Canada. We've got like eight centermen playing in various positions. The, I, yeah, I get the same impression from them. Yeah, a very poor man's d- Team Canada. Um, anyways, after that, yeah, I'm having a... This is where it's just all a bunch of B- BS, um, and I can't confidently say anyone. I am going to put... Man, I'll say the Flyers. I know that might sound crazy, but I still think Carter Hart's the real deal, and their center depth is still quite decent in the top nine. Um, Couturier, Frost, Broussard, Nate Thompson is what they have projected listed down the middle. Something like that. Anyways. Claude Giroux and Kevin Hayes and Sean – did you say Sean Couturier? I say Couturier, yeah. Uh, Hayes is injured for a couple months, and Giroux's a winger. Giroux plays wing. Oh, well. I'll st- you know what? I'm sticking by it. You yeah, know? go for I've it. I've already built my argument. Giroux, you're converting to uh, to center. Yeah, exactly. Back to center. Exactly. Um, who does that leave me? You're um, left with the Caps. I'll go Capitals because I I just feel like they're still they're still there. They still got they locked back up Ovechkin. Like that's guaranteed production. They're old, which is a problem. I think Mantha's like their second youngest forward, and he's like. 26 mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a potentially an issue but I, I still believe in them a little bit um after that i will go rangers because they're on the up up and they brought in gerard galan who i think can really settle that team in um after that i'll go oh god did i miss anyone big or is it just pittsburgh and then columbus who i've got left you have uh the devils oh i'll go um Pittsburgh, then the Devils. So you have the Islanders, the Hurricanes, the Flyers, the Caps, the Rangers, Penguins, Devils, and Blue Jackets. Brad, jump in here. Let me just spin my wheel. <laughs> really? For for first? Where are you gonna start from the top or the bottom? You tell me. You start from the go from the top down. Okay. Islanders can't disagree with you guys there. They're the only team I have any confidence in, so how can I not put them one? Yep. Um, I think both you guys had the same for number two, and I, I agree mostly, which is Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the theme of this division prediction so far is depth. Those are the two teams who don't have any super glaring weaknesses, um, even though I still have my aforementioned concerns about Carolina's goaltending. Uh, three, Washington. I think they're going to be pretty motivated to get a Vetch and a ton of goals this year to chase the record. So it'll keep... Uh, energy up in the room keep everybody going so they're old but they're still good i think i don't know that downfall is coming sooner or later i don't know when uh for philly i think carter hart just has to be average for them to be good and i think carter hart can be average five pittsburgh i mean down the stretch crosby's gonna be back malkin's gonna be back they're gonna be pushing for a playoff spot so if there's two guys, you got to put at least some faith in to, to carry their team to or across the finish line. It's those two. So I think they probably get off to a pretty crappy start, but I think they get it going afterwards as long as Tristan Jari, you know, learns how to be a goaltender. Um, six, Rangers. I don't love – I really actually hate what they did this offseason, uh, but – they should see progression from so many players that it should counter the stupid moves they made. Uh, the, yeah, the natural step uh, akin to Jack Hughes improving so much, he's it's practically like getting a, a, a better top six center. 
Lafreniere and Kako progressing should make them. Even Ke'Andre Miller. And yeah. they should have one of Zach Jones or Nils Lundqvist come in on defense. And Shesterkin could be better this year. Like the, Their improvement comes from internal. Everything they did externally was, was for the most part, terrible and bad. Um, the Bushnevich trade was awful. The whole Tom Wilson protection trades were stupid. The contract of Barclay Goudreau was atrocious. Um, and we didn't even mention Hedl and Kravtsov. So yeah, exactly. But all the net, they built up such a good stockpile of prospects and, uh, young players that it's almost impossible for them to not get better just through the natural progression of it. But I don't think they got better enough to crack a playoff spot yet. Seven, I got New Jersey. Hey, they ain't proven shit yet. So until they do, I'm I'm pessimistic. And then, you know, sorry, Columbus. You're the unanimous loser because obvious reasons. If you're Columbus if you're a Columbus fan, do you regret not trading Panarin and Bobrovsky? Absolutely not. That run was magical, even if it was only two rounds. And they hadn't had anything in a while. Man. The Metro's extremely interesting and I'm not sad that Lucas Raymond made it such a story that we had to use up time this episode to discuss uh, him possibly making this team, but we could have easily done an hour just on the Metro. Like all of those teams have the kind of pieces and the kind of progression have made interesting to say the least uh, enough moves this offseason where it's such a big unknown. Like our lists are wildly different. One, at least one of us is going to end up looking like an idiot which will be a notable improvement because usually it's three of us end up looking like complete idiots. Well, we all picked the Islanders to win the division and we all picked Columbus to finish last. So naturally Columbus is getting a wild card spot just ahead of the Islanders. Yeah. Sorry, Barry Trotz. We just accidentally predicted your downfall. Um, okay. We'll talk more. We'll talk more about the Metro. I, I think there's too many storylines. I think they're going to come up too often throughout the year for us to not obviously discuss that. But very curious to see how that shakes out. And one difference maker, I think you both had the you had the Caps third, Brad and uh, Evan. You and I had them fourth. Anthony Mantha, what kind of year does he have over there? Um, twenty five, twenty five. That seems to be his his range until he gets past it. Whether it's health reasons or consistency issues, that kind of seems to be his. Sweet spot. Okay. Uh, let's jump into overtime here uh, on this Sunday. It's not midweek. It's Sunday. Uh, on this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast, we are going to start out with Patreon. Uh, our patrons are incredible people and help support the show and allow us to do the things that we do. Uh, Patreon.com slash Wind Wheel Podcast. Um, if you want to support the uh, Evans extremely nice golf sweater fund i i've seen you repeat clothes but every time you come here i'm like that that shirt is definitely 300 dollars, like worth more than um that. i think this one was only 100 bucks only the fact you threw only in front of that is so depressing it's i a, thought it was gonna be way more because it was i bought it from the pro shop at band oh springs god the pro shop surplus yeah yeah so it wasn't bad uh anyhow we don't actually give uh, your money to Evan Sweaters. Evan is a qu- triple quadrillionaire, so he pays us. <laughs> uh, Sean Stephen Cook, first patron question we're going to take, says, I love Zadina. He's not a bust, but I think we need to start seeing this guy show us he can finish. When Raymond hits you in the slot with the perfect pass and you being a finisher to put in the goalie's pads, I just need more. If Zadina gets a full year, which he will, with Larkin and one other top six player, this has to be a year where he figures it out. Yeah, stuff like that I'm not worried about in preseason because everybody's sights are going to be off for a little bit. Just 
timing and and getting your shot off a little quicker, a little more accurate when you're actually playing NHL level competition is so much different than shooting in practice and shooting in an empty net and all that. And trust me, I, I found that out firsthand last night myself. Um, so yeah, if he's still firing him into the pads and over the net in November, I'm concerned. Uh, Jacob Snyder says with the way Raymond has been playing, even getting praise from Blashill, uh, and with Eisman's comments about young players playing in the top nine, if he makes it out of camp, who's getting pushed out of the top nine? Uh, short answer. Who cares? Rasmussen, maybe if they had plans from up there. No, uh, not Nemesnikov. Robbie Gagne. F- yeah, I uh, love Gagne. Bobby was. Ryan count like <laughs> Bobby Ryan's getting a contract. We like when we talk about Raymond. The eventual answer here is no. Raymond will end up in the AHL, and Bobby Ryan will get a contract. That's probably the right answer. Yeah. Um. CJ Sully says a couple weeks into being a winged wheel podcast uh, patron, I found you guys during the draft this year and it rejuvenated my love for NHL hockey since I stopped watching the last couple of years after watching part of all three preseason games. I just want to say thank you boys, CJ. That's incredibly heartwarming. Thank you so much for your support. Um, happy to have you back in the fold and welcome to the dubbed up family. Greg P says uh, Raymond is clearly getting opportunities to prove he belongs. And so far he's looked great. What are the odds he gets nine games right out of camp? And if he keeps up a good pace, maybe they slide his ELC. Right. at I don't know. I Evan, what do you think? Does he start this season on the roster? I think not barring an injury. Another one. Yeah. Which is, you know, right on schedule. We're, we're right on schedule for another one. Well, yeah, it's been 10 minutes since a, a major injury has happened. I think, Depending on how this Bertuzzi situation unfolds. He hasn't played yet. Is there anybody else who hasn't played yet? Wait, how many games does Bertuzzi... He can't play nine games <laughs> in Canada? This is perfect. <laughs> Lucas Raymond's on every Canadian road trip. <laughs> well, I mean, as, we've, as we talked about the first time we discussed the whole Bertuzzi thing is now an unfortunate side effect of all this is every time Bertuzzi is injured, which he's still rehabbing a major surgery. Uh, we won't know We're like, people are going to be speculating like crazy and like, they're going to be panicked about, you know, what the deal is uh, until we know. So the other day he had a maintenance day, but we didn't know that for a few hours. So everyone's like trade COVID uh, day off to whatever. It's like, no, Iserman's had enough and punted him to the sun. It's like, no, yeah, he just had a maintenance day. He's coming off of major back surgery. So there are 17 different factors to consider with Bertuzzi. I can't even begin to speculate. But in a situation, like you said, Evan, if there's another major injury, that's when I think you see him start the season. Cody Geyer says, uh, currently in Washington, uh, chasing race cars with a video camera, which begs the question. I know there's interest in F1, but is there any interest in oval racing? Uh, Jucasa Motor Speedway uh, in Ontario is a gem, and the NASCAR Pinties series is always exciting. I've not I watched some of those words. I've not watched a ton of NASCAR. I have a friend who really loves it. Um, I've kind of stuck purely to F1 in terms of racing, though. Brad, you're from the part of Ontario which loves NASCAR. What do you think? I've never watched. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but also no. <laughs> I can barely find enough time to watch at the NHL. Yeah. 
I cannot be throwing in NASCAR as well. Uh, Colorado 14ers says, I went to my first Wings game at age 10 during the 88-89 season. Peter Klima scored the game-winning goal on the power play. I know it was the power play because even the antiquated uh, Joe Louis Arena scoreboard had a countdown clock that allowed everyone in the building to clearly see if someone on either team was in the penalty box or not. The announcer, Bud Lynch, didn't feel the need to insult everyone's intelligence or ability to count by making a statement over the PA saying that penalty has been fully served. I would understand this being a thing in Seattle or any market that was new to hockey, but to have this type of announcement in any original six building is kind of embarrassing. Not whoring out the jersey for advertising embarrassing, but pretty close. Okay, wait, what? I think... um, Did they start doing that just this year? Because I haven't noticed that. I barely pay attention to PA announcements, honestly. It's like my brain filters it out. I feel like I would have noticed that at least once through the like dozens of games I've been to weird cody stark says i made a new friend this weekend uh at the lake of the woods mike baumgartner he played for the 74 75 kansas city scouts uh his gm who signed him was a legendary sid abel we sat around the fire having drinks listening to old hockey stories nothing better than that he lost his eye from a deflected puck against the canucks and he had to retire after 17 games if you look at his stats online you'll notice he played one more game in the ahl the next season abel signed him for that one game so mike could get full benefits from the nhl that year for all of his medical bills from his eye injury good stuff huh oh that's a hell of a story winged wheel 69 says might be a dumb question but why wasn't master simone and some others not at the prospect tournament keep up the good work um you'll notice a lot of times and stuff like that the ncaa players uh, aren't there just because of schedule conflicts yeah. So if, if you, you know a guy like Master Simone is not playing in Grand Rapids or Detroit that year, he just goes to play with his program. Yeah. Unless there's like a significant factor saying like, no, this guy needs some NHL competition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick Geyer says, how are we feeling about Cider? That failed pass in the defensive zone was pretty funny. You have to laugh off those rookie mistakes. I saw that him and Larkin uh, were roommates during camp. Any strategy in that? Yeah. I think that's just Larkin being a leader, bringing yep. in part of the future core. Sider's been good. I think he's been not too flashy. Uh, there's been a couple of times where he's bailed out Nick Letty, who's doing something offensive. Um, has he been perfect? No, but he's been solid. I've been happy with Sider. That's kind of what you have to hope for him over an 82-game season. Unspectacular, but good. That is most Sider to a T. Um, until he's spectacular. We haven't. We're not counting hits as spectacular. Oh, well, okay, fine buzzkill jake bloom says what do you think the realistic aav that would get bark off to at least consider coming to detroit next offseason it starts with a one it starts with a one two one million <laughs> uh i don't think it has to be 12 in a flat cap world but it's it's got to be it's got to start with a one i think he would be leaving the state of florida in their favorable income tax situation to it, the state of michigan which is colder and yes. you have to pay income tax. But it's also the Panthers who notoriously don't overspend, so they probably won't be unless, offering. Unless you're a go- goalie. Unless yes. you're a goalie. <laughs> unless you're a goalie after been caught. But yeah, no, I don't think they're going to throw the book, the bank at Barkov, even though they should. Um, but yeah, I think like something around 11, 11 and a half will at least get them to consider it. Um, Yeah, I'll still say 12. I think if 11, 11 and a half, there's other teams in better situations who would offer him that and laugh while going to the bank to pull that money. There's out. other teams in better situations, but there is not many teams who can throw around 11 and a half million in cap space right now. Evan, do you want to buy a team? No. No, Evan would be the worst. Actually, Evan would be a great uh, NHL team owner because you know he'll never meddle in it. 
He'll never get it, stick his hands where they should nope, be. Just another asset. Yeah. Ruthless and Toothless says if he's willing to leave a possible 18 points on the table, then he's not the player you can go into battle with when it can't, comes time to compete for a cup, which is the exact opposite of what I've always felt about him. You guys should send any random video to a micro expression expert. Evan alone would warrant an entire university semester of study. Larkin looks good. Go wings. I think the most common comment we get on YouTube is stuff about Evan. Why is Evan not talking a lot this episode? Why is Evan looking down? Oh my God, Evan's talking. Why is Evan doing this? Evan, how did you yawn 14 times? Because I, there's a lot of answers, but not a lot of time. You have to know how notable that is that on a podcast where Brad, he's here, <laughs> you are a weirdo in the room. <laughs> yeah, that is strange. Connor Dukes says, sup boys, I went to the game last night. Awesome game, but some of the worst nachos I've ever had. That is devastating to hear. I'm sorry. What food should I get the next time I go to the LCA for a game? I literally always get the four square deep dish. It is the greasiest, ex- most extremely hot pizza I've ever had in my life. But it's the best. Um, Honestly, I haven't had anything that's really blown me away from there. By and large, the food at the LCA has been relatively disappointing. To be fair, I've tried like Less than 10% of what's available, so. They had a zesty poutine for a while, which I loved, and they have a taco place, which I thought was really good. I can't remember the name. Phil Gasno says, hey, boys, we've been dominating the preseason offensively. Can you give me a percentage of how much of it is coaching changes, player changes, and the preseason? Preseason. I'll go 20, 30, 50 for the dominating factor. So 20% coaching changes and that's purely Alex Tange. Okay. 30% players like this team got a, you know, got rid of the rot, added the Lucas Raymond, added Nick Letty, and 50% you were playing preseason Columbus Blue Jackets. You should be running yeah. the show on them. Yeah, absolutely. But it that, that's just for the dominating part. For the part that's fun like in better, you can remove the preseason stuff and it's still like there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, on a side note, I highly recommend listening, uh, everyone listening to watch Attack on Titans. I'm not an anime person or really even a TV person, but that show is the best thing I've seen on TV. I We just binged Squid Game in two days. Oh, and wow. I am not a TV person. We're on like episode five or six. Oh, you're almost done. Yeah. Have you watched Squid Game? No. Is it, I have children. Man, I'm... You yeah. can you can watch. Someone I said saw watched it with their their ten year old child recommended it to them. Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> opens a lot of questions. I uh, I saw the preview for it with the um, red light green light, and I just need you guys to know that's a daughter that that's a game my daughter plays at school and at her sports a lot, and I do not need that in the back of her head. I think oh, we should. I don't think she plays game. that version. <laughs> no, but that no, Make I know, right. but I don't want her thinking that, but. Yeah, here, Ryan, I'll give you a really good example of how much free time I've had this week. I. Hey. <laughs> oh, wow, that's really impressive. Yeah, that, that's been my week. I have not watched. He showed me a screen time report. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's two and a half hours. I do that in about the first two and a half hours of my <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so even less. My screen. <laughs> And I guarantee you an hour of that hour and a half, uh, two and a half hours is like I'm laying in bed trying to fall asleep. Brad, you had so much like residual leeway with Evan and I for understanding your schedule and being sympathetic towards you. And you know how often you throw that away by how much voluntary time you spend playing hockey? It's like four hours a week. I haven't played hockey since uh, February last year, so... (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says, hello, small men. Just so you know, the Swedish band Ghost released a new song. Uh, it's called Hunter's Moon, and it's absolutely awesome. Apparently, they'll, they will tour with Volbeat and play in Grand Rapids on February 16th. I've seen Volbeat. Really? Yeah, when I saw Slipknot. I think... Uh, Evan's musical taste will surprise the ever-living hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he went to... Uh, what's it called? Uh, Warp Tour? Yeah, Warp Tour. Yeah, he went to... And the band's like... He's like, oh, we got to check these guys out. I'm like, I don't know who those are. I'm in. And then it's like some big, fat, hairy guy just like absolutely screaming his ass off. <laughs> and I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm looking at Evan as he's just kind of like that quiet into it. Like, you know, Evan... And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Uh, you are a case study and whatever you can pick the, you can, we can send you to a university and they'll say what faculties grad students is going to get them. And we can say your choice for for the few people who might understand this reference. When we were there, I was there to hang out with my buddy and then just check out whatever bands happened to be there. And uh, my buddy gave me two VIP passes. So I brought Evan with me and the first band Evan's like, Oh, we got to go see these guys was August Burns red. So for the for the guys who listen to that kind of music, that's Evan. Evan brought me to watch August Burns Red at TD Echo Beach in Toronto. Yeah, it was pouring rain. It was great. I almost died when they did the wall. It was uh, that was an adventure. Evan's like a creative character or like a, a player in like um, a video game where you have like different armor sets and like gun types, and you just pick like one from every one. You have no consistency, and you're just like this mismatched like giant. Just hit random on yeah. every setting. <laughs> Evan's a random role in every way. Just got my toes in everything. Um, Large goes on to say top five candidates for the Calder. I'm gonna say names, and you say yes or no if they're in the top five. Caulfield, yes. Zegris, yes. Spencer Knight. Yes. Marco Rossi? No. Newhook? No. Pod Colson? No. Byfield? Yes. Drysdale? Uh, yes. Nedelkovic? No. Cider? No. Raymond? Maybe. Byram? Maybe. Kraftsoff? No. Oh my god, you're down to the plus 2500s on the betting odds here. Uh, Marco Rossi? No. You already said that. I don't know. Who else do you guys want? Nick Robertson? No. Swayman? No. Boldy, Bunting, Pinto, Kaliev, no, McMichael? No, no, no okay. No, There's no. Ne- no one's winning the Calder corner, Brad. Miss Con- I gave you five or was six. That, is that five? I counted four. I wasn't counting at all. I can't read. Misconduct Racing says, last night's game was the most fun to watch game that I can remember for a while. Great to see 23, 53, and 90 out there putting, uh, doing well in a Wings uniform. That's all I'm looking for this season. That game was so good, we didn't even cover everyone who played well. Everyone, A lot of people played well. It's preseason. Um, Big Bad 7 is asking how Moritz Sider has played. Um, like Moritz Sider. Yeah, it, again, it's not been... There's nothing to be concerned about, but not yet has he displayed the full, I don't know, suite of his skill set, but he's been solid. I've I've been happy with Mort Sider, and I'm happy to roll him out on a line with Nick Letty. Um, sorry to hear that it's difficult to get Red Wings coverage in Germany. Uh, Matt S. says, I've been very happy with Sider and Raymond, but nothing stands out to me as too negative. Uh, I'm preparing myself to not see Raymond on opening night, but hopefully we'll see him later in the season. Larkin also had a great game coming back, uh, to the other patron asking about food at the LCA. The co-op is where I always go. The tenders are so good. Do we see Nadelkovic, uh, play in the preseason? Yeah, he played today. 
I think. And it uh, today was a bad game against Pittsburgh, a 5-1 loss. David Fantos says, went to the game last night, was very happy to see Larkin's first game back, include two goals. What are the high-end, low-end expectations for Larkin this season? High-end, I want to see him back in the 70 to 80 point range. I think that's pretty high-end. Low-end is anything resembling last season. Both. I think he could be a point-per-game player. I think he has it in him. He's a first-line center who's going to get a ton of power play time. Yeah, point-per-game is... Definitely on the the top of his ceiling, but it it should be doable. I'm not saying he will, and obviously a lot of things have to go right. But I think um, I think provided the top six players around him stay healthy, it should go well. Obviously, he has to stay healthy too. So Jamie Ben, piss off. Um, yeah, he has the talent to be a, a point per game player, and I'm excited for him to get back to that. Hopefully, because there's too many people who are like, "Oh, he scored nine goals last year, or whatever it is." I'm like, just admit you don't watch the Red Wings, please, rather than commenting on it. Sam W says, "I'm very grateful for you guys being back to two a week. Do you mind uh, readdressing the question? Could you see Raymond making the team on Larkin's wing, like Larkin played along Zetterberg in his rookie season? Yeah, absolutely." It, cool. As we kind of argued, he probably should. Yeah. I mean, he will, but it's not likely, but there are certain things that could happen where it would almost be like, well, yeah, where else to put him, right? That makes the most sense. Andrew Andrew Fortier says, is it just me or did Raymond and Zadina look good together on Saturday night? I think they look really good together. Like the, the conversation earlier about Zadina, you know, having to convert had nothing to do with the rest of his play. Like I said, the puck moving between that line went through all three players um, I thought they moved and mesh and read each other very, very well. Really well. I love that line together. Um, Beer League Healthy Scratch says, being from Indiana, I had to go out of state for my NHL team, but luckily I didn't have to for the NFL. Whenever times are tough, I just remind myself, uh, at least I'm not a Lions fan, you poor sons of bitches. Brad's a Bills fan, so also most of the time, usually a poor sons of bitch, but not right not now. for the last like, half decade. Preseason has been fun. Hoping to see more of the kids uh, as it moves along. Goals and expectations aren't about wins, but player development. Do I trust Mr. Blasio with that? Pretty sus, TBH, but maybe his wife will deliver. <laughs> Stevie Langerman says, hey, gents, I know there's still a few years to go, but damn, it feels good to see a peek into the future. We can see the next generation of the wings, and they look damn good. I saw the crack in flames uh, in the WHL arena last night. It was insane. I was three rows from the glass. They were big, really big. So cool to see live NHL hockey again. What's the best seats to an NHL game you've ever had? Um... Ice level, courtesy of uh, Everett at Born to Dan Hart on Twitter. Incredible to just be that close. Also, I realized I couldn't be, couldn't pick my nose because uh, the TV looks at the cameras look at that spot. So I just kind of sat like a statue the whole night. <laughs> I was very nervous. I had um, front row Maple Leaf Gardens, Leafs, Red Wings in the early to mid '90s. I forget exactly what year it was. If anybody remembers Maple Leaf Gardens, the tunnel where the visitor's dressing room was and coach's corner was, I was literally at the end of the row I was sitting in next to that tunnel. Um, and I was wearing my Eisenman jersey at the time. So the usher who was working there let me take a couple steps into the Red Wings dressing room and let them kind of walk in and out at, at intermission. So that was that'll never be talked. You literally can't beat that. That's very cool. C Nods says it feels good to see hockey around again. Team looks competent on the power play. Uh, I know it's preseason, but finally something to be excited about. Joe Valeno looks good too. 
Arjun Shanker says, geez, there are some cool plays being made in the preseason. I hope this continues. Uh, it's at least exciting to watch every shift. However, I'll be honest, I did expect Sider to have Cronwald someone by now. He thought about it. There was a couple times where he thought about it. I genuinely think Mo Sider is easing himself in. Ohio State... Ohio State number one says, what would you consider a successful power play this year? Uh, not going 40 power plays without a goal. <laughs> the bar is so low right now. <laughs> As usual, the bar is on the floor. Uh, with Ronick back in his spot, Raymond being able to make absolutely disgusting seam passes and utilizing a bumper, what percentage on the power play would you be content with? What's 19, 20, I don't know. Yeah, what's whatever league averages, I'm going to go with that number. Not the point where we were at at the end of that streak where the Red Wings power play was uh, on pace to be the worst in NHL history. Thankfully, they got on a bit of a hot streak for like five games afterwards, which <laughs> saved that record from being broken. But uh, yeah, league average, I'll say. <laughs> Helm hands asked about Robin Lanner, which we talked about our last comment <laughs> I'm sorry. I know we're supposed to do Reddit questions. Um, we didn't have a, a ton of time or we ran a bit long today, but I promise we'll make up for it. Um, this question's from Vax Waxed and Blocked by Tyler Bertuzzi's burner account. It says, hey, fellas, did you know that if you lined up uh, pictures of five buttholes, I wouldn't be able to point mine out? <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, <laughs> dude, are you OK? <laughs> How high are you? I think you've had Brad say, how high are you for your last three comments? Next, it's coming next episode. It's just going to be, no, Brad. It's hi. How are you? <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to wrap up this episode. Next episode is going to feature a very fun uh, interview, which we think you guys uh, will love. So stay tuned for that. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagets, Nick Perks, um, Terry Driver of Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, and Pizza, Brandon M, Brass Balls with, uh, with Lemon Zest. Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, James E, Jeremiah Dobo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacy Lynn, Stove, Iser Plan, Joe Santangelo, Vaxed Wax, and Blocked by Todd Reynolds on Twitter, uh, Zach Spring, Eves Bartels, Andrew Bohan, <laughs> Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W. W. Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, <laughs> John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pevavar, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi isn't a team player, Zach Handyside, Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Take care, weirdos. We'll talk to you midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.